BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you ask, what is your list of favorite things? I'm like, oh, well, in a list of ascending order of greatness, you know, um... You know, my friends, my family, we have a goddamn time. I've waited two goddamn years for this video. And you know what I've been waiting two goddamn years on? Your slow ass reading. I've been wanting to get Austin to read this goddamn series for two years. And finally, he reads the first book. This is episode 65 of the Tudor Rail podcast. And I'm goddamn Richard. This slow ass is Austin. I'm going to have to bleep that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm Austin. You tore the plushie off the table, and mind you, viewers, listeners, I'm excited. Just before I clicked the record button, I'll have you know he was going, yeah, yeah. So, uh, very, very monotone, very calm, and that's what I heard as soon as we. I've been waiting. I've been bottling this he, feeling up. He for two shocked years. me with that, <laughs> and Richard's this, this. You're getting this reaction if you don't know if this is your first time to the channel. As you could see, he loves wheel. It's time. my favorite thing. It's his favorite, my favorite thing, thing ever. Thing. It's. It's the thing, like, if you ask, what is your list of favorite things? I'm like, oh, well, in a list of ascending order of greatness, you know, um, you know, my friends, my family, we have a goddamn time. I'm surprised we're third. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm very... Fine, sorry. My friends, my money, my family, then we have time. That's better. Where's yeah. the pot hit on that list? Well, if it actually made money, it would go third. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rich... What a- wasn't a goddamn hole in my pocket. I have a feeling we're going to have to do a lot of bleeping this episode. You're very excited. I am excited. This is your favorite thing ever. This is book one of the Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World. I finally mm-hmm. read it. And just so we can get this clear early on in the video, we've done these before. This is a spoiler-free for the first 10 to 15 minutes, and then we'll get into spoilers. But here's what's special. Richard has already read all the books. He's rereading them with me. I'm reading them for the first time. We're going to have a 14 long series this is going to span i don't know how long with my slow ass i have to bleep that but that's you know just to quote the man himself it's probably going to take us a, a couple centuries before we get through this i'm hoping that it's going to be do at least one book a month we'll see if we keep to that yeah yeah because this so it's it was three hundred thousand words mm-hmm. and it's a it's a big book but also while we're reading other stuff so we fit it in there Obviously, you're excited. This is going to be a start to a long journey. Everybody strap in. Mm-hmm. going to start spoiler-free. Get in the spoilers later. Is there anything you want to say and get out before like, before we even talk about this book? Just what Wheel of Time means to you. What does Wheel of okay. Time mean to you? 
I I just want to get off the bat, like, despite the technical ratings of the very first book, the reason I'm so excited is not necessarily because of this very first book. It's the series as a whole. It, it is a series that is greater than the sum of its parts, and though I may have criticisms for it, in many ways, those imperfections make it better because it's now it sticks in my head. And I don't even know if to call them imperfections. That's the thing. It, ev- everyone who loves The Wheel of Time can also list all of their complaints about it. And yet, for some reason, at the end of the day, it's still their favorite thing ever. It, it's a weird, magical thing about it. This, this series does some, some things that I don't think ever can be repeated. It does the chosen one trope, the best that it ever will, or it ever will be. It does world building, second only to Tolkien. And I have not found anything else that comes close to world building and actualization of a world and cultures and history. It is a masterfully done series, and I'm enjoying it, I, I think, more on the second read-through. So, wow. very excited. Well, that's that's good. We're going to look back at that clip, too, 14 books later. The cool thing for us, <laughs> hey, viewer, you're also here, but just so you know, this is for us. This is well, more for you, Rich, but it's very cool because at the end of this, you can look back to all of our reviews and see that's how I was thinking at the time. And that I so for you, it's going to be great mm-hmm. because you can look at rereading it. You've now read, this, read the series twice and have a video file of it. Mm-hmm. And then for me, I'll be able to see book by book. I have no spoilers, so I don't know what I'm getting into next book. It'll be a really fun thing to see back on how how you thought. So I'm actually quite excited to see your reactions to things. Yeah. This is actually fun for when we first started this whole podcast. A big part of it was talking about, oh, we could do a read-along series of Wheel of Time and have that archived for ourselves for years to come. And so it's a big deal for me. Yeah. But let's get right into (sighs) Okay, (laughs) so spoiler-free review. We're starting spoiler-free, of course. We will give you spoiler warning beforehand. Mm -hmm. And Rich, I'm going to give the mantle to you to spoiler-free this because, Mm. hey, I I will jump in when need be. Okay, The Eye of the World is starts off, it is a book series that takes a lot from, it is an homage to the Fellowship of the Ring. And Robert Jordan took that story and said, "How, how would I do it differently? How would I think this this whole prophecy and chosen one would actually work would ever if there's a prophecy of the chosen one who's supposed to save the world would everyone accept that would everyone be behind it or would there be a lot of infighting and different factions and would be people be scared of just that fact of the world so this is your standard farm boy story a going creating a fellowship and going on a quest out into the world. And that's what you start off with. And by like book two, book three, it starts becoming into its own. A very unique series. And just to add on, uh, this is obvious. This is why you didn't say it, but this is one of the most famous fantasy series ever. Mm -hmm. So it's like Lord of the Rings, then this pretty much when, if you're a fantasy fan, you've read, especially American and modern fantasy. Yeah. It for American fantasy specifically, I think it is the the biggest American fantasy series. Yep, and so if it's also has a new show, which I think we should make an episode mm. on that too, where I should watch the show because now I can watch yeah. it. I've yeah, been staying can. away from spoilers because it's only on book one, season one, right? Mm-hmm. So we can watch that, maybe do a little 
little episode on that as well. But as yeah. far as spoiler free goes, yeah, Farm Boy, it's your classic fantasy and the homage to Tolkien, as you said. Mm-hmm. Well said. Now, anything else with a spoiler free summary, or do you want to get right into rating and then we'll get into a long, lengthy discussion? I think we should get right into the rating. Okay. Spoiler free rating. What did you give? The Eye of the World, book one of Wheel of Time out of 10. Stamp it. This will be here for a long time. All of this excitement, and I give the the first book a 6.85. Okay. <laughs> you know, I actually did have to re-rate it, and it, it's, it's unfortunate because I see a bunch of the seeds in here where I'm like, oh, this is paid off very well later. Yeah. But I can't give that credit to this book immediately because it's the seeds are planted, but you don't get that in this book. So I think it's a good start, but is not it doesn't lean into the strengths the Wheel of Time normally is known for. Okay. So for you said it perfectly at the beginning too, that the series isn't the sum of its parts. So you may think certain books aren't as good, but then when you look at it as the whole piece of it, it's just the best. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that because so I gave the eye of the world five being average. Yeah. I went through each category. If you don't know how our category rating systems work, you'll see throughout this video and we actually have a link in our description. I gave the eye of the world a 4.4 out of 10. So we're going to, we're going to have a great discussion. I oh hope. Lord. <laughs> and if there's one word I could say in the spoiler free review for the eye of the world, um, I, I want to say a couple things before we get into spoiler. So you're still here for spoiler free. I would say this one. I will read on. I will read book two. I'll read the rest of the books. Number one, I'll read them because you love it so much. Mm-hmm. Number two, I'll read it because we monetarily need this series to do well. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, I think, I think it can only go up from here for me personally. I think if I'm yeah. giving this in the four range, it can only get better. Now, also mind you, so mm-hmm. five is our average, so I, get, I did give it a 4.4. We'll go category by category. The other thing I just want to say, if I could say two words for the eye of the world, it would be, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, Wheel of Time fans. Listen, the, uh, yeah, I want to say this before I say the two words, is the chances you clicking on this video is you're a Wheel of Time fan, I'm sure. So hopefully, it'll, you'll see my reaction throughout the series and it'll get better and better. You know, I start here and then by book 10, I'm going, oh, I heard that's the slog. Maybe, okay, by book 14, I'll be like, wow, I'll go crazy. <laughs> but as of right now, the two words I'd use are extremely underwhelmed. And I'll leave it at that. I'm on it. As much of a fan as I am of it, I'm not as upset with that rating as I typically would be. I understand. You've Also, you've been reading some really great books so far. I understand that this is not like the most stellar start. I think there, there's great seeds there, but you don't see how it, it just doesn't develop in the first book. Yeah. I think the second book is like tens of times magnitude. I can't better. wait to get into that. Like, I was, I've been re- I'm also ahead of you on the reread. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there, okay? I'll get there. But that makes sense. Yeah. So with, with that, any further ado, you want to give Spoilers. a spoiler warning? Okay. Spoiler warning. Don't continue. If you haven't read, go is... read it. Or if you don't care, I guess continue. But come on. Okay. The category system, what did you give emotional impact out of 10? I gave it a six. Six, six out, out of 10. 10. Above average. Yeah. And uh, I can see myself like right at if I was I'm thinking nostalgia and my memory is mm-hmm. also giving it at least a point. Yeah. If I'm reading it for the first time, I'm probably giving it a five. I feel more comfortable. So I gave it a three point five for emotional impact. 
It's my lowest of the categories. I'll say that. Wow. So, so you really disliked the book. It was emo- emotionally speaking, it was the lowest category. So it's mm-hmm. I actively, I, it's active toward dislike for this motion. There's other stuff that raises it a bit, but what's interesting to me is you're an Uber fan of yeah. this series, and even you're giving it in the six range, which kind of confirms it doesn't confirm it 100. I'm sure some people love the book. It's a classic fantasy, and this holds dear to many people. But it confirms me you giving the six that my four range is like okay. If I'm if I'm not a fanatic about the series and I'm thinking it's just not my cup of tea, it's below average, I'm I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Just I, be, I understand. You give us oh so you giving it the six or so, emotionally speaking, why is it a six? Uh is it one of your lower ones in the series? Definitely. For I sure. it's probably the lowest. Okay. Because oh, that's even new, oh, this music here, here's All the right. thing. The the everyone everyone calls the slog, I really don't consider it much of a slog. Truly. I just think it's the books are kind of split up oddly where it focuses on one specific element and then leaves the others to the wayside and that's picked up in later books. And so people feel like disjointed and like, oh, we spent so long on this. I I was waiting for this other character's perspective and we didn't get the whole book. And so they think it's the slog. And I just read fast enough that it didn't feel like a slog. I think I, I have to but, retract something a yeah. little bit. I've been being a little too nice. I just wanted to say this. You have bad taste. You're an <laughs> awful reader. I got I to gotta get more. We got to get more reactions here for TikTok or something. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. So I just have to throw that in there. I'll clip that and then we can act like we're enemies and then whatever. Okay. So yeah. So emotionally speaking, the number one thing I'll get into, and this isn't a surprise. I don't think anyone. It just affected me more is... I want to say this. Two things can be true at once. I think it is an homage and a tribute to Tolkien, but I also think it is derivative of Tolkien. And derivative toward its... I think it's the closest you can get to plagiarism without being illegal. I think it's a step away from the Tolkien estate being able to go, wait a second, (laughs) it's that close. And if you don't mind, I have a list of things of this commonalities. I do disagree with you, mainly because like, it's very clear from... Robert Jordan actually talking about it and he actually did intend like yeah this is I'm taking the Fellowship of the Ring and putting a twist on it yeah I want to see how would this story play out if this factor of the world was different his thing was that's that's his story his twist on it perfectly fair right his twist on it was if the whole world you know didn't believe the darks dark ones there that if you know, instead, the twist on it is not everyone believes that it's the end of times. Well, mainly right. just common, a common occurrence with the Chosen One stories. Everyone kind of like follows the hero. Like, oh, the hero has come back and all right, we'll follow the hero to, to, beat, to beat the enemy. And Robert Jordan kind of saw like, that's probably not how it actually happened. So do you think with the eye of the world, it's not very derivative of Tolkien? derivative of the kind of this negative connotation no I think it's very clear homage and like sure derivative would be yeah it's basically a copy and he doesn't give credit and he doesn't talk like oh no it's my completely original thing it's like no you're just being derivative homage is clear like he puts in very clear easter eggs of like yes this is an homage to Tolkien that's where I agree and disagree. I think it could be those two things at once. It's an homage and a tribute to Tolkien. He makes that very clear, but it's also very similar to the point of as a reader, 
it's mm-hmm. I've seen it before. I've seen it before. I see, I've seen it before. Not just I've seen it before. I've seen it in one book before. <laughs> so you don't think those two things can be true? Because derivative, I don't. It could be a negative context con- or connotation. That's the word, right? I, I know words. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. <laughs> so putting a negative, con- negative connotation on that, would you say a better word to use is it's very similar to token? Like what? What would be a word that's acceptable to use? It has. It just has very similar aspects. To okay. It. That's so definitely you, the case. Yeah, you giving it a six and respecting the series and it being your favorite, I'd see why you'd say that. To me, I'm reading going, all right, there's a lot of... Con- and I can go... Th- I have a list of them that I just... I wanted to put together here. So this is all the things that the Lord of the Rings... Or do you mind if I go on this? Go ahead. Okay. So the Lord of the Rings and the Eye of the World. This is all the things that have they've had in common that I've noted down when I was reading. And I also looked up... I, I looked up what other people found. And I was like, oh, here, there's another one I added to the list. So... And interrupt me when you will, but we've got, of course, you have your chosen one black and white morality. That's basic in lots of books, so it's not specifically just Tolkien. Mm-hmm. But you have the Shire and Emmons Field, the two rivers, are both quaint, small places removed from the large, scoped world where only rumors and so forth whisper in. You have this long-awaited village festival in the beginning of the book, like Bilbo's party or Beltine dancing and celebration and whatnot. You have both our tobacco-producing homelands, the Shire, the Two Rivers, Emmons Field, instead of pipeweed, it's tobacco. You have the Shire Gandalf arise with the news of the outside world, and Emmons Field, it's a gleeman arise with news from the outside world. You have, until one day, the Black Riders in the Fellowship, the Nazgul, but in this, it's the Fade, the Meadrawl, or the Black Riders, the darkness and shadow threaten Emmons Field. You have this evil soldier race, the Trolls, in Lord of the Rings, you have the Trollocks here. Sure, Fellowship gets things from other places, but just keeping on this tangent here, you have the flying monster, the fell, fell beast, or like the Drakkar. You have the Fellowship. There were nine in the Fellowship. and Wheel of Time, there's eight, but you have your King Without Crown, Lan, Aragorn. You have, yeah, you know, your Ranger Warrior. You have Moraine, your wizard, like Gandalf. You even have, instead of Merry and Pippin, you have Matt and Perrin. Like the alliteration, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, that's close. And you have this peculiar neighboring village. Instead of Bree, it's Taran Ferry. You have this fairy crossing and chase and Buckleberry Ferry, just like Taran Ferry, I believe, right? Yep. And you have this great evil monster threatens the protagonist and another member of the oh sorry another member of the party Gandalf sacrifices himself. In this case, Tom sacrifices himself, and it's revealed he's alive later as well at the end of this book. And then there's the cursed ruins, Moria instead of Shadar Logoth. You have the Mountain of Edelville instead of Mount Doom. It's Mount Doom with an H. I mean, that's very clear. And then Wait, you have... say that again? Mount, so the Mountain of Evil, Mount Doom in Lord of the Rings. In Wheel of Time, it's Mount Doom, Doom with an H in it. And then you have the Wastelands of Evil, Mordor. This you, you have Shiel Ghoul. And then you have the Dark One, Sauron. This one, you have another Dark One. The, that also, those are separate places. Oh, those are... Which one's Shiel Ghoul? No, so Shiel Ghoul is one place and then the the wastelands are two separate places no i'm saying the way they're wasteland a wasteland of evil is shiel ghoul right yes yeah so the mordor's the, a wasteland but the Aiel wastes Got are it. different i thought that's what you're right i was just saying wasteland in general okay. and then you even have the eye of sauron this is literally called the eye of the world you have main characters end up encountering people who live yeah, in i don't think that's Rose. much of a actual I connection. Think, i think he's making that connection with the the eye i believe I don't really think so. Okay, but then you have main characters end up encountering a race of people who live in groves and revered trees. 
Um, and you know, they're often, they're not as hasty as the other races. And you have the statues of the old King Aaron Goth statues of Reverend Arianel. You have the larger historical context of both worlds where there's different ages, ages that, um, I believe in, to- in this one, I don't know what age it is specifically. On which third age. Is. So just like with Tolkien's, it's the third age as well. You also have, instead of Gollum, this is very similar. Instead of Gollum, you have Fane, who's been following them the whole time, has this split personality corrupted by the Dark One and is the one that's been tracking them since the end. And at one point, they're above ground, is blocked, uh, blocked, and they're forced through a dark, dangerous underground place instead of the Mines of Moria. It's the ways, and it, that's, that's just what I was able to find. I that's can a, that's see a lot why you're rating it lower, but I can imagine as you're reading, you're picking up this and going, burr, 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 and writing it down like, oh, that's another similar, where I'm just kind of speeding through, and like I notice them sometimes, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> so I'm just gotcha. going like, oh, neat, and I keep going. And I, I can see like, that was a friction point for you. Well, not all these are the ones I wrote down. Oh, okay. these, So I wrote down probably like a quarter of these that I noticed. I was like, oh, that's the same, that's the same. Then I was like, then I looked up, is how similar is Lord of the Rings to Wheel of Time? And other people were giving Pretty up so. examples. And so there was there was that many similarities to where, and then obviously your large themes are very similar to you have your chosen one. And mm-hmm. the twist that Robert Jordan does, he adds there's this magic system with the male and he female fa- half. And he adds that chosen one prophecy of like not everyone's on board at the beginning. To me, at least in this book, it wasn't, it wasn't unique and different enough to compel me to go in this book that it's it's pushing the genre forward. It's doing something crazy new and interesting. Oh, yeah, I was just sure. vi- So of the things that Robert Jordan added in this book in particular, by the way, rest in peace, he's a, I'm, I'm sure, and b- big reason I'm also reading this and excited because Sanderson ends it because uh, after what was it, book 11, yes. he passed away, unfortunately. And so I, I know I've heard great things as the series goes on. So I am excited to get through as much as I am being mm-hmm. negative right now. I have to I have to stay on it to create friction between us. Well, so, oh, go ahead. You are completely right. The Eye of the World is the least unique. It is, it is the closest thing to like classic fantasy. It is definitely a big homage to Fellowship of the Ring. Clear, like very clear. Book two, right out of the gate, incredibly different. And I Good. will say some of those differences of even in the Eye of the World, the whole. The there are stark differences between the two rivers and um, the Shire. The Shire, I, I think just the people themselves <laughs> are vastly different. Like how stubborn and kind of violent they they can really be, and just re- hmm. th- this this actual awkward stubbornness and confrontation that they have is very different. Okay. They're much stronger people, and than the Shire. Oh yeah, you can't mimic the Shire. And yeah. not, not just that, I think it also speaks volumes, at least for me. Emmons Field, we spent a lot more time there than we did the Shire, and I feel a lot less attached to Emmons Field, at least for the amount of page time that was used before just we wait. So hopefully in the future we do, but that's, I didn't... That's actually a... Not... Okay, I don't really consider this too much of a, a spoiler, really. Be very, other, very careful, please, 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 please. A, a difference, a significant difference with uh, Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time is... Lord of the Rings, you leave the Shire and then... Then there's the scorching at the end. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a place to leave mm-hmm. and a place to come home. That's it. With Wheel of Time, you actually get time with the people there over time. Interesting. Okay. It, it is, Emmonsfield is actually a significant part of the story 
going forward too. Mm. It is not just a place to leave and go home. You know it's, how this is so, a serious book review? Like hmm. usually we try to banter back and forth. We're going like into this book. Yeah. This is like this. We have no time for jokes, guys. I'm sorry. This episode, we, we we're actually interested in what each other have to say this time. Yeah. So I, it, I wanna... it's so hard because I, I agree with you on all these points. It just is not a negative to me. That's the thing I've been seeing, right? It's people online. People will either say it's an homage and tribute, which I agree. And then people say it's derivative. I agree. So that when I'm looking at it, I'm going, of course, he's inspired by Tolkien. It doesn't do enough different for me to go, okay, you were in, here, here's something that does something different. For example, what I'd say excels the genre. And this is a small example. We're going to be reviewing this very soon, but Red Rising, we won't go into Red Rising, but Red Rising has a very similar element to Hunger Games. Very similar. It has a, hung, uh, so I don't want to give anything else on the spoilers for that, but it's a dystopian novel with that, but it does so much different, which we can get into, that yeah. it's a completely different book, completely different culture. It's like, it's new. It uses its past foundation and creates something new and exciting and boom, and it's awesome. So with this, I just saw a lot of the old and not enough of the new to justify the length of this and what was put in. Of course, it's a great, it, it's, you could tell a lot of effort, better than anything I could do, you know? Yeah, I, it's, one, I th- we'll, we'll get into it, but I think just writing style, I really enjoy his style and the prose okay. and how it's written. It, it's very enjoyable when we do like, go through the dialogue is always just fun for me mm. but i want to actually get into characters right out of the gate okay and nothing else with emotional impact do you want because i i said that i, I used the whole time talking about the commonality so is there I, anything else i feel on positive about it but i liked it while i was reading it and i liked it especially more because i can see the seeds that will later flower okay i noticed some things here that i didn't even remember and going oh damn he was setting that up from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so there's a bunch of that. And when even I'm remembering back to when I first started reading it, and I was, I think, more similar to you, where I'm like, eh, it was okay. I'll read the second. I had no I had nothing better to do. I, I will say, though, if you didn't highly recommend this, mm-hmm. and I didn't know Sanderson ended it, just because Sanderson's my favorite writer, I don't think I'd continue. So after the first book, like, say you didn't exist. Oh, that would be great. Oh, my God. Can we make that a thing? <laughs> but let's say you didn't exist. Yeah. And I was just reading this. I didn't have a podcast to make content on and whatever. I mm-hmm. don't think I'd continue. Which is why I think this will be more interesting for me because I'm, for- I'm going to force myself to continue reading. Yeah. And then maybe, like, let's say I finish the second book. I'm like, I'm in now. I don't know. I'm pretty happen. sure you will be. Okay. My second book, you're going to be in. Okay. If you're not in by like the fourth, I would tell you to stop. Okay. That's the cutoff point for me. Because the fourth book is arguably the best book of the series. Oh. With the others being very close, but it's like, it's, it's close. Mm-hmm. Fourth book is master. Master. It has a couple tens for me in the categories. Wow. Yeah. It does wow, some things wow. masterfully. Done. Okay. But I want to give my character score for What's this. What's your character score? A 6.75. 675. Okay. Yeah. I gave it a four out of 10. Yeah. So characters. Go, go on with characters. It, I that's, think all, that's higher than your emotional score. So you, you you liked it more than you felt with the book? Yeah. I think all the characters are necessarily pretty good except for Matt. I, like, I really... Re- Matt is... is that's okay. surprising. I'm, I'm very later surprised later becomes one that. of my favorite characters. But... I was frustrated with him in the first book, and I just don't. Me too, but think I, he's I'm surprised you said written. just Matt, though. Uh, I mean, mm. I thought I think the obvious one's Rand. 
unless you think differently because I'm, you've read the books already so you know where Rand it's goes it's hard to separate it from me it's hard to separate from you but for me I just know this book Rand and this is one of the most negative points of the book is mm-hmm. Rand is very very dull very bland and he doesn't have much going for him in this book I, there's not much else I could say. I, 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 there's nothing really to critique other than I, there was nothing there to critique because he's just there. And he likes Egwene. Actually, the best points with Rand, I think, in the book were with Matt when they were pretending to be Gleeman. Oh, yeah, they're great. That was fun. And I was getting to know the characters and it seemed like there was something going there. <coughs> oh, I thought you were yawning. I'm like, don't <laughs> yawn during your Wheel of Time review. But no. <laughs> it was a steeze, okay. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed all the points between... Uh, Rand and uh, Tom. Like, Rand, I really, and Tom, Rand okay. Tom. Rand and Matt. I like all that. But my favorite character of the Emmonsfield folk in book one is definitely Perrin. I, can I see that. loved. I've just. The quiet, uh, patient, large guy. And just how much that. He's the one character out of all the, the guys that, like, isn't pushed around as much by the women. To like in a ridiculous degree, like Egwene and uh, Nynaeve are a little bossy. Uh, they could be, they could be annoying <laughs> and very frustrating at times. And I liked how Perrin, like sometimes, yeah, he's pushed along and kind of manhandled a little bit. But there's an there's occasionally where he's like he's clearly thought about his position and people respect him for that. When, when he's made up his mind, Egwene actually listens to him. She doesn't listen to anybody. <laughs> she will occasionally listen to Perrin. So Perrin's and your favorite. I, I just liked how his character is done. But else... Okay. This only comes from uh, the reread. Okay. But oh my god, I have so much sympathy for Moraine. Mm. Oh my god, I'm sitting there just going... oh. Poor Moraine, these stupid, stupid farm children. God damn it. To deal with all of them, yeah. Because yeah. when I first read it, I'm on I'm on the I'm on the Emmons Field folk side. I'm like, who is this Moraine? Who is she? Oh, and can I'm, we, can I'm we stay on that point? Oh yeah. Because go. I'm a first time reader. Uh-huh. And that I found very confusing. Um emotionally confusing. Because I wasn't on either of their side. Because while I was reading and go, tell me, tell me, go back to your first read of this. But as I was reading it, they were told at the beginning that Aes Sedai are untrustworthy. Yeah. And not, you know, not to trust Moraine, not, not to do any of this, but they were forced to. They were forced out of Evans Field and they had to. They were put in this situation. But as they were forced into Moraine's company and going on this journey, it was like she was only doing good things and helping them. So I get maybe there's an ulterior motive, but I'm sitting there going, okay, they're not supposed to trust her, but clearly she's not killing them. Clearly it's not like clearly yeah. she's not a horrible uh, well they all have different le- they all distrust Aes Sedai for different reasons and you find that so do you find that all in this book or did I miss that no it's in this book that, so why does Nynaeve not like Moraine because she's oh, an Aes Sedai yes. no because taking the kids away nope right? partly yes that started off but what was the other part oh Lan Yep. Yeah. That's why she yeah, doesn't yeah, that, like Moraine. That part's later, but the first part, it's like, oh, they're taking the kids, yeah. Then you look at Rand. Mm. Rand's distrust of, of Aes Sedai is far more just, there's a certain stubbornness to him. And not only that she's Aes Sedai and I don't trust her, she's taking Egwene. And the fact that 
oh, because of her, now Egwene has to become an Aes Sedai, has to become, you know, Aes Sedai witch. Can and I, she, she's taking a, uh, Egwene yes. from me. Can I put another negative in that? Because the reason why, again, going on, I'm more negative, I'm sorry, just on the whole thing. But the reason why I didn't like that as much is I love the scene at the beginning where Egwene couldn't decide whether to braid her hair or not, so kind of covered it between between Moraine and Nynaeve when they were both there. And that kind of dropped off into the book a bit where I didn't feel I didn't feel that cool conflict I felt at the beginning where I saw Egwene teetering and tottering between the two where it didn't feel as important as it got further into the book for me. I, I think most of that is when she when she's out there, she is when she's just with Moraine, yeah, she's now leaning on like, hey, she's unbraided. Mm-hmm. And then Nynaeve comes back and now she's embarrassed and she's like that's when she struggles. It's it's depending on who she's around and her perception. Yeah. I it just didn't I noticed it at the beginning and just didn't it didn't seem to increase in stakes as the story went on. It didn't lead to anything at by the end. To be fair, that scene is cut out from the actual story. That's an additional what? scene. That's first seems- yeah. It's not actually in the book. Did I read a different version? Mm-hmm. This is like a longer version? Well, that Egwene scene in the beginning is cut from the main one. What? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. It wasn't in my copy. I'm talking about... Are you ta- Oh, I'm not talking about the very beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. I'm talking... I'm not talking about that. Which scene? I'm talking, talking about? about the scene where Nynaeve first arrives. Nynaeve oh, first yes. arrives and she's hiding her her because she's like she she wants to appease them both she doesn't know she's struggling it's a conflict yeah good that's good and then after that i was like where'd that go mainly just Egwene picked a side she kind of made a decision with moraine yeah yeah but i was like she did she made it also beyond that it's more there's no real question anymore i have to go Mm -hmm. i'm going and at that point she does just when did she decide Basically, when Moraine, like, you'll die if you don't. And then Nynaeve actually accepts that. Okay. When Nynaeve no longer is like, okay, you're coming home. Because that's when she's kind of more Yeah, when she was just into, okay, got but it. But then Nynaeve's like, hey, I'm going to come with you. Yeah. Then that conflict is kind of gone. Got it. She's gone. The decision's made for her. Okay. I thought, I, I guess I perceived it by the end she was still, um, she was still still going through it i didn't know nah, so well different conflicts come up. i think that yeah. specific conflict is, is gone okay because the decision's made for her. she has to leave she's there's no going back to braiding her hair mm-hmm. she's going to tarvalon mm. so but other problems come up but getting into characters is yeah. each one of them dislikes or is distrustworthy Suspicious. of Aes Sedai yeah. for different reasons and Many of them don't make sense in complete logic, but they make sense to the character, and it's kind of more consistent with the characters, mm. even if it may be frustrating for readers. So, Rand is doesn't really like Aes Sedai mainly because of prejudice, and is hyper-fixated on control. Like, the magic thing and all the history, like, sure, that's one thing, but the thing he's always fixated on is, what is she doing? To, she's going to try and control me. She's going to try and manipulate me without me knowing. I'm not going to I'm not going to dance to her tune. That's that he does not like being manipulated and controlled. Then Matt is just fearful of the magic thing. <laughs> He's like, Poor "Get Matt. me out of this whole witchcraft and voodoo. I want out." No. Perrin is just ca- generally cautious, 
but pretty quickly is the most logical of like, nah, Moraine's kind of on our side. We we need to get back. <laughs> like, I'm cautious of her because she's a stranger, and yeah, there's negative connotations, sure. But I guess those conflicts didn't stick out or work for me because I never believed them. You didn't believe them? No, because I'm just looking at what's, what I'm being shown, mm. and I'm constantly just being shown, okay, obviously they're, they're forced out of here, and Moraine's helping them get to this place. I... It's you know what it is. It's just too classical as well with all the derivativeness of I don't expect it. it. He doesn't have me expecting it to go with a twist of like Moraine being evil. I just it's completely out the window of that being a possibility because of how basic the plot has been thus far. Mm. May, hey, maybe I could be proven wrong. Next book, something happens like that. But there's nothing ever to give me a, a hint of these farm boys are like one of the suspicions is right. I'm like, no. <laughs> I, so you might, you read it on your first read and we're on the farm boy side. I was I was the complete opposite yeah, where I was, uh, well, not opposite right. if I was on Moraine's side. I was just very much on the, okay, this is part of where I'm supposed to be suspicious, but I'm not. I was I was suspicious too, but that's not really what I was getting out of it because I'm looking at these characters, and even though I disagree with them, I'm just seeing their perspective. But you like, said I'm the not, first time I'm you, not particularly. But the first time you read it, you were on their side and going like, "Oh, I was both, suspicious." Of I was her. both. Of like, yeah, I was a bit suspicious of her. Like, that, yeah, that's where I got. I was different because you read that and were looking at it, going, "Oh, I'm on the farm boy side." Like, yeah, well, why be right? I was. I I'm did not sitting see there that. going, "I'm frustrated with Moraine," going mm. like. Why isn't she telling them the truth? Why isn't she being for like there's some stuff like why is she keeping this stuff back? She's being a little weird. Like, yeah, she's clearly on their side, but for what reason? And there's something that she's keeping back and it's stupid for her to do so. Why? And then the others, it's like Oh, you thought that. More just kind of being a bully over huh. kind of just being a bully over over these young kids and you're kind of going, Why? In hindsight, I'm like yeah, she should. <laughs> she knows more. Huh. They need to listen to her. Stop asking so many questions, you goddamn idiot farm kids. But that's then, in hindsight. For in you. hindsight, jeez, okay. But then when reading, you kind of go, okay, they are acting unreasonably. Like there, there's some. They're clearly so sheltered and superstitious, and all these things that it's clearly flaws. And so, like, we're I'm watching them kind of get over it, sure. and making and seeing these characters make objectively poor decisions and yeah. understanding why they make poor decisions but I'm okay with that okay I'm surprised on your first read you thought that for my first read I, I didn't think that at all I was I, I thought it was clear with how stupid Matt was I mean why tell these boys anything and obviously it's such a massive world and there's a lot they're not supposed to know it wasn't one of those I can't tell you yet tropes which I hate it didn't lean in toward that as much because it's like they just met and there's a lot of magic I don't understand. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of bigger stuff I don't understand and I'm sure I will eventually. But I was just like, yeah, of course. They're, these guys have been idiots so far. I'm not, <laughs> why would I trust it? And plus me not liking, the far, loving the farm boys, I should say, and Rand, I didn't care for him to know anyway. So I was never on his, I was never going like the farm boys are right because Rand is bland. That's, that's all I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> but are, okay. Out of all the characters, who is your favorite? If you had to pick one. If I had to pick... There was no one you liked at all? You didn't enjoy any of them? 
they all had something. Uh, I guess Tom. Okay. If I had to pick, but didn't like Lan. I didn't love Lan. I just because I, whenever I looked at Lan, I was like, "That's Aragorn." <laughs> but I didn't. I wasn't emotionally really invested in any character. There wasn't anything to to hook me into someone's journey yet. Mm. I just I didn't know what was there to get me really rooting for somebody. Obviously, I don't want the bad, the dark one to win. Like, yeah, of course. But there's nothing to hook me to a story quite yet. Uh, there, no, there's no standout. I, I gave it a four out of ten. It's like a clear four because hey, five would be like I was. More, I just there's nothing compelling me forward throughout it. I thought there were the the most. I, I guess the best thing for the characters for me to give it mm-hmm. the my favorite thing about it. I loved the scenes where Matt and Rand. I said this earlier, but we're going around being gleeman based on what Tom taught them. And making it from end to end, and the 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 dagger affecting him more and more. That's it was yeah. the dagger, right? Affecting him more and more. I thought that well, I was starting to get toward the characters. I was starting to get into them a bit. Uh, but that, I, and hey, I love Lord of the Rings, by the way. So I'm all for the walk and talk and all that stuff. So when they were just walking, going into end, I, I love that stuff. So I'm not I'm not impatient about it. I, I can I can go through the whole book. It's just there wasn't there wasn't a. Uh, it's hard to point out something that's not there. I understand the thing with Rand. I, I get that book one where I'm enjoying it. I think when I first read it, I thought kind of similarly of it was Rand as a vehicle there. Like the big the big character thing with him was he's unreasonably stubborn. Like to a significant degree is he hates being manipulated or being felt like he's being manipulated. Mm. And when he sticks his, you know, when he puts his foot down, even if he's objectively wrong, he'll still do it. And he's the most unreasonably stubborn person there out of all of them. And that, that's, his, that's his character okay. in book one. That carries forward, of course, but with more stuff going forward, clearly by the end. Gotcha. Now, for Richard in two years from now, when you look back on this. Yeah. What do you want to say to Richard in two years about the characters, just about Wheel of Time right now? Is there anything you want to note out there and be like, hey, Rich, this is, this is what I'm thinking right now? I mean, I'm just thinking to myself of, I, I feel bad that you didn't get the hook immediately. Mm. I understand it, but it's one of those things of like, just going to have to wait. It's, I hope it's it one long story. This is the, the first part. It's unfortunate it doesn't hook you. Yep. And well, I understand it. And you said Perrin is your favorite? Perrin was for my, this book. This for book, this yeah. book, he was my, when I first read it, he was by far my favorite of the Emmons Field. Characters. And that held up with a reread? Of the reread? No, I had different favorites. Who, who was different? Moraine. Oh, because you looked at that perspective and got Her it. Her perspective is very different. Mm. Uh, same with Land, Nynaeve. I love Nynaeve. You know what? I'll say that. Nynaeve was my favorite. Nynaeve is. And I, I think one. she is my second favorite of the entire series. Oh, the Her character thing. growth is incredibly interesting. Okay. And definitely one of the struggles. It, she's just a real standout character out of all of them. That's great. Um, she's the one that yeah. felt the most real this book. Yeah. She, she just has... She's just very unique. And she can be the most frustrating and how rude she can be, but it's all based on, like, she has a deep love for her people. And you know it's coming from a good place, even if she's wrong and rude. 
Uh, can I say one thing too? I, I, it just reminded me of this scene. There's so much in this book. Mm. So the worst thing about reading an audiobook, uh, listening to an audiobook, mm. I'll tell you right what it is right now. Mm. So you know how Matt stupidly went into the whole treasure thing and yeah. obviously Matt idiot. being an idiot. <laughs> it makes it even worse when you're listening to the audiobook and Michael Kramer's plays the evil villain's voice is like, come here, Matt. Are you coming to the treasure? And I'm listening going, yeah, that's an evil voice, Matt. I wouldn't go follow into the treasure. It's just going, the coins and the daggers, Matt. And I'm just going, so is that an audiobook problem where Michael Kramer Probably put on an evil voice where I'm going like, who believes someone that sounds like that? It's like, let me follow yeah. the dark figure that's cloaked and I can't see their face and he's got a weird voice. It's, and I, I couldn't do it. They, they are idiots. They are <laughs> farm just, boy idiots. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was just, I was rolling my eyes going, are you kidding it, me? I will say book one really sets off your characters of, oh wow, this is, there's nowhere to go but up. Like th- there's definitely... <laughs> To see where they start yeah. and to see where they end is a much bigger task in Herculean change than anything in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, there's change and very interesting. I love it. But As, I'm the amount of a that. 180 of like, oh, wow, I yeah. know where you came from. <laughs> it's very different. I'm looking forward to that the most because I, not just what the characters did, it, it doesn't get worse. It doesn't get worse oh, than book God. one for me. I, I Def- hope. No, I definitely hope. won't. So there, there's no chance you're. I don't. Got it. Maybe you give one of the slog books about the same score. Maybe. Okay. I doubt it personally. Okay. But yeah, no, this is the worst. The second book and on like the second book is, I would say at least, at least three times better. At least like three hundred. So instead of a four point four, it's a thirteen point two. Did I do that math yeah, right? That's right. Thirteen point two out of ten. It's it's spectacular. Okay, I can't, all I, of okay. the all of the problems that you have in mostly, so. but for Matt, for keep my characters. Both. So Matt, Matt, Matt becomes one one of my favorite characters, and he's such a fun character. Okay. And well, don't tease me. Talk this book. He's all right? just so fun. But in this book, oh my god, you just. The entire time, like, idiot, Matt. Like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, Moraine. Am I misremembering? <laughs> so am I misremembering the scene where Rand gave his coin to the the boat guy, the ship yeah. captain, and Matt's like, "I got one too." It's like, <laughs> oh, damn it, Matt. Why? <laughs> Don't show your hand. <laughs> oh yeah, he's pretty stupid in this no, book. But here's the thing: is there's it. It sucks when characters are stupid and the book doesn't kind of acknowledge that you know when like hey that was a bad decision yet the book is trying to tell me that it was a good decision because the writer just couldn't write a more clever no it's clearly meant to be like yeah that. The, the, it's different when the characters are being dumb and it's supposed to like they're dumb and tom is looking at them going like you idiots i could have gotten us there with just a few stories but no you had to produce your goddamn silver idiots <laughs> For for your sake on having this as the archive, what do you think about other characters like L- Loyal? Oh, I love Loyal. I'm, I'm surprised that's not your favorite character. He become he's up there, but he's not. He's adorable, and he's just not much to talk about. Like this book. Okay. I I 
he's a very strong constant in the story. But and then what about anybody else that pops up? Like I I think uh I like Master Gill. Master Gill was nice and neat, and he was in Camelot, right? Yeah. Saying, okay. And then yeah, as far as the main cast goes, what do you think about Egwene as well? I'm doing this for your sake, by the way. This is this is archive for you. So say oh, yeah. what you need to say to yourself years from now. <laughs> hey, this is for you too. <laughs> You're gonna enjoy. It. Book Looking one is not for me. Trust me. <laughs> no, but it's gonna be fun to look back on. It will. It will be. Egwene. Of the Emmons Fielders, mm-hmm. by the end, she's kind of like my least favorite of them all. I still like her character, but not as much as the rest. Mm. Like, the least of the best, if you know what I mean. The least of the four. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't dislike her. All right. But, and she definitely has some interesting stuff going in, but her, like the other boys, can sometimes be grating. <laughs> can sometimes mm. be frustrating to read. We good on characters? We're good on characters. Let's move on to plot. Okay, what'd you give plot out of 10? This is, I can, I could see lowering it, but the reason I will justify, I gave it a 7 out of 10, mm. mainly because I see all the stuff, all the groundwork is laid, up. and I'm going, oh, that's impressive. Okay. The groundwork being laid is impressive in this book, and that pushes the plot forward. I'm, I can see how actually meticulously laid that the plot is for right, to be laid enough. out later. And like, there's so much stuff where you're going, I imagine on the first read through, I'd probably give it a five. I give it a four personally. Yeah. So I give it a four and I have specific plot points. I'd like to bring up. Okay. And maybe we can build the conversation. I will, from there. I will let you know if I'm just going to not answer your point. No, no, not to answer the question. Oh, I know. Uh, but like, oh, I, okay, okay. I will either like, just say like, got it. Read later, find out. Got it. Read and find out. Rafo. 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 We got those acronyms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try to think of a joke. It didn't work. It didn't, it didn't work. We're just not in jokey moods today. We're in serious. No, it's serious. We're mode. in serious. This is wheel of time. It's wheel of time. Okay. So the first point, I just have random plot points okay. and stuff that like I didn't love. Okay. And then I have stuff I did like that I'll mention later. But first plot point being the false dragon plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it'll probably go somewhere in the following books. But one of my. Maybe this is why it affected my emotional impact as well. It was, I think, the biggest B plot. Obviously, there's the I the World. It's the big plot. Yep. I think the biggest secondary plot, from my perspective reading it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, was the False Dragon. It was very interesting. And I was looking more forward to the False, Drag- False Dragon than I was to the Eye of the World. Like, 100%. Way more invested in that. And the False Dragon meeting was very underwhelming where we saw his face for a little bit and then it meandered into this very cliche princess and prince situation where he's climbing there it happens to be the castle and well do you know why like Mm. so we i think i i can spoil this because it's in this book i'm not i'm not spoiling anything but more of an explanation of there are moments, this very specific moments in the first book, where Rand does something very strange and very out of character and very weird. And it okay. feels like a plot, like him climbing the tower, like climbing the castle wall. Stupid. No, and I don't think it's... I'm not even saying stupid or smart. Well, no, it, it's, it's odd. And that's because that actually is the madness. The madness. Don't you like, know? It, no, from him being the one, right? The no. The chosen one? He's a male channeler. Yeah, the chosen one. And the, every time he right. uses the power, 
he actually goes a little mad. No, and there's I, mo- moments like you. that and where he goes, he the fact that he was able to climb that high, that Because he was running from the... No. He, he thought was just, he was running from the, what is it? Uh, fade? Pat on fade. Parrot fade, okay. But no, because after he fell down, he kind of went like, wait, I climbed that? What was with me? And the fact that he, yeah, he yeah. was climbing up and his hands were bleeding, like, he was going nuts while doing I, it. So, I get you. It's not about if it was a smart or dumb decision. I'm not even focused oh, okay. on that decision. It's just where the plot went of mm-hmm. going from the false dragon being the thing and then all of a sudden it diverges into the very cliche prince-princess thing. I happened to climb that one. Now, whether he went madness and then happened to climb the castle, I'm just like, okay. And, and it didn't help his character when the princess was obviously a princess and then she reveals she's a princess. He goes, whoa, you're a princess. I was just, it was just very clear to me. Like the, the second introduction of her being stoic and demanding his authority the way Robert Jordan wrote it was just instantly prince, princess. They, they were royalty. And then Ran was just dumb about it and then I mean, figured out by the end. He, she could be just nobility. That to be like, oh yeah, it's the princess. Like he's meant a lot of those. I things. guess to double down on that, then it's the he's direct, ignorant. Well, <laughs> he's ignorant, but to me, the reader, I'm not. So to me, the reader, it's it's how it's written. So Rand could be, but me, the reader, I'm not satisfied by that, especially because of the the constant lacking of subversion mm. throughout the story. So I just I knew it was the prince and princess. So I was like, all right, it's going in that direction. I did like the queen. I should say I like the queen and her reasoning. I'll say I'll say a thing I liked. I'm sorry for being so drab, but I need these notes for later. To, when I when I'm on book twelve and I'm loving it, well, and just, I can look back and go, Austin, you suck. Just the same you. way that whenever you like something, I gotta be negative. You're you're looking like Richard's too happy about this. Yeah. Thing. How do you feel? How do you feel when you give Stormlight an eight instead of a nine? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but this you notice? No, no, no. I want to make this point now. I want to make this point that yeah. I am talking about Wheel Time as I should giving it a four. You talk about Stormlight like this and you give it an eight. <laughs> Remember that. You talk about Stormlight giving yeah. it eight fives and you talk as I'm talking right now. I genuinely didn't like this. So I get the right to talk like this, okay? That's fair. Thank you. So <laughs> with with the false dragon, I was really excited for that scene. And it, it wasn't, didn't Raffo. give no, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm. I know something will happen in the future, and you saying that especially. But I'm expecting something to happen in the following books. But as far as this book goes, yeah, I was like, yeah, all right, all right. That's that's where I was left, and I did like the. Oh, sorry, I was going into something I liked, but then you got me on my tangent. So there's something I did like the Queen's reasoning for believing Matt, believing Rand. Do you remember that? Yeah, she had three points. I believe one of them was. She was in Emmonsfield once and heard the accents. He has the accent. And the second reason the queen gave for believing Rand's story was no one would claim they're an Emmonsfielder that looks like that. Yeah. That's just stupid. That's a stupid lie. So I went, oh, that's, that's a good point. And then I think her third reason was uh, not listening to her, the voice in her head that was being suspicious, whatever. But uh, Elida. She, sorry? Elida. Elida. Her, her counselor. No, no, no. Uh, in her reasoning she was giving, the third one was like, she's not listening to that voice in her head. I thought or it was like I forget the exact thing. I don't think it was about Elida, but yes, you're you're right. But um, she's giving the benefit of the yeah. there she's is no proof, and she can't. She's going to uphold. That was the great law. reasoning. Yeah, I was like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That, that really does. So I was satisfied with that. Uh, but on, on that whole point, do you have anything to say? Oh, don't spoil False Dragon, but do you see where I'm coming from with that scene and the payoff? I I will say that the Eye of the World is the ending is the worst part of the book for me. I didn't like the ending either, yeah. Yeah, it, it's... 
Let's talk about that. It's there, but it's not as, like, that would be the biggest thing I would change if, I I, I think even Robert Jordan probably would. Really? Mainly because he wrote the first book with, yeah, he had all these plans, but he had to end it in a way where if he didn't get picked up, Uh, he could stop there, and, like, it would be okay-ish satisfying, but he didn't know how well it would do. So he ended it in a way where, yeah, it could continue, but if it's not picked up and it's not published, then it can stop there. Okay. And, yeah, I think he probably would have done things differently if he could just go forward with it. So, well, yeah. Big point on the ending. That was my third. I'll skip the second point. Go right to ending. Mm-hmm. I was under- very underwhelmed by the ending. And you know what's strange? I what? expected this pod to go a different direction of like you liking it way more than uh, no. you're very indifferent about it. It seems like. Yeah, mostly I, I, I enjoyed it way more than you. Of course. Yeah. Definitely. Of course, and yeah. Even one of my first read through, I think I pro I enjoyed it more than you. I okay. was kind of just with the ride and gotcha. I was enjoying it for what it was. Actually, I think I read, I read the eye of the world and wheel of time before I read Lord of the Rings. You did. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Like, oh, that might affect it too. I didn't have those direct connections like right okay. off the bat. Like, yeah, I could connect it to the movies, but I didn't have that. Like, I don't think right. I was think actively thinking of the connection between Pat on Fane and Gollum. And now oh, really? that you say it, like, yeah, it's obvious. It's an obvious connection. I, I mean, did that, not that was, notice. That was one that bugged me the most, actually, out of all of them, mm-hmm. uh, because that was that continued throughout the story. Whereas a lot of the things that were were taken from attributed and also derivative, I'll, I'll keep saying those two things, of Tolkien, a lot of them were in the first half of the book. Like, the good chunk of them were. And yeah. then it, it started going in a different direction, but then the, the Thane the, the Thane part was still there consistent throughout the book, so I was like, I just couldn't get it out of my head. It wasn't... Eh, anyways, you said it, so I, I won't beat it to death. Especially past that, it's very different going forward. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, well, it's... With the ending, though, something I found very interesting Hmm. was so you watched season one of wheel of time yeah and one of the things you said is like they toyed around with who the dragon was yeah a lot as i was reading the book obviously it's rand from the beginning yeah it's all his perspective it's it's all his perspective but constantly throughout the nightmares and uh and the dark one doesn't know who it is we i mean we can assume it's rand also it's i i knew enough about the pop culture of wheel of time to know it's rand I knew that much, mm-hmm. but the book also doesn't tell you it's Rand until the very big reveal at the end. The last thing is Moraine going, the dragon has returned and it, it's Rand. Like that's the reveal. So for that ending to happen and it's obvious since the beginning and it's also toyed around with, we don't know, is it Perrin? Is it Matt? Is it Rand? I think the book kept that up. It kept that going throughout and just what the payoff wasn't there. It wasn't. I wasn't surprised by it. It wasn't a satisfying ending because of that. To be fair, I think I, even when I was first reading it, I did not know he was the dragon going in. Like, cause okay. yeah, cause you knew something was off. Like he's the main character, like he's being searched for, but it's not an immediate connection until the end. It makes sense by the end, but I, I was a bit more surprised than, okay. I don't know. I wasn't completely surprised, but I wasn't totally like what, reading through the book going, oh yeah, Rand's the dragon. I was like, at best, I was like, oh, can, he can channel. Okay. That's that's as much as I remember on my first read through. Right. It's tough to think back to that first one. So Yeah. yeah. 
But on the second read through, did it was your perspective any different? Oh, it, yeah, I guess so. Like I'm, I'm seeing the perspective. I know he's the dragon going through, and so I'm interested in seeing all the little clues laid about in oh, dreams, neat. and I'm tr- paying attention to all the little stuff. And there's a pretty big, pretty big twist of like, I'm kind of laughing in some of the dream sequences, going like, oh, huh, <laughs> uh. just some stuff later on of like you kind kind of seeing the master plan at work. Okay. And the the long game that the dark one plays and from all the way back then. And so that's that's kind of fun for me to read. That was a uh, plot-wise one of my favorite parts about the book mm-hmm. was the dark one's constant threat and the dreams having actual consequences like the rat spines being broke. So I yeah. liked I liked those scenes it, it caught another complaint about the book it was it was a very consistent tone which is not a bad thing to say it's just a it felt very on beat mm. and nothing wrong with being on beat it's just uh, there wasn't enough diversion for me to to for me to be signaled like all right this is more important than that yeah. scene over there it just all felt like i mean jordan has such a huge world here everything he mentions is important that's the problem so for yeah. me i'm sitting there as a reader going all right, so Camelot and Tarvalin are important um, and everything else. <laughs> so <laughs> I was left in a place where why I so far, I mean, to compare this to Way of Kings, to Stormlight, for example. With Way of Kings, one complaint about, the, we'll get into world building, but even just plot-wise, it all takes place. There's Carbranth and the Shattered Plains. So for me, like when I'm reading that story, it's way more, I'm way more invested in a lot of it because I know that place is important. Like, the Shattered yeah. Plains is where we are. Carbranth is where we are. Alethkar is where we are. I got it. I'm here. Reshi could go screw itself right now. I don't know about Reshi, right? So it's there. Yeah. So with this, it's such a big, expansive thing that I didn't know what was super important. And I guess to compare it to Tolkien as well, with Fellowship even, going place to place, I even felt that in... I don't know how to explain how he did it differently, but each place was very explored in Tolkien's world. I mean, it's the best of the best that when you go from the Shire then to Bree, Prancing Pony, every place felt very real. I didn't feel that as much with Wheel of Time throughout this Mm. journey here. See, I would actually disagree with you on that one. Okay. There are certain places in Lord, like in Middle Earth definitely feel really real. Yeah. The Shire being, I think, the best of it. Bree, I'm not exactly sure how, like, yeah, it's fine. I I wouldn't say it's a standout. Like, oh yeah, it feels so real. It, you know what stood out to me? It's like he puts butterbeer in there. Like that's not in the movies, and I love butterbeer. Oh, butterbeer's <laughs> in the movies. He's just very yeah. a very small part of it. Yeah. That's where they meet. That's where they meet Strider, right? Yep. And it it just feels very. Um, I mean, I'm I'm such a fanatic Lord of the Rings. Like every I guess it comes from me. Okay, you know what the difference might be as well. Um, it's more confirmation bias of like I've read Lord of the Rings, I've watched the movies, I've looked up the stuff. Whereas this is my first read through, so of course Bree is gonna You'll feel know, more re- yeah. real to me than even Camelin because I don't know much about Camelin yet. Ver- versus after going through thirteen books, like so how how Sanderson kind of structures where he kind of like starts in a place and thoroughly explores that one place when you when you're there. Yeah. This is spread, like, you're introduced to a bunch of places, and you will further explore them at later, but you are jumping around all the time. Right. You're further exploring you're t- it over you're touching a long time. You're, you're touching the water on these places, and you're going to go in deep in all the places as well, 
but over the 14 books. It's not like the book one, it's all about Camelin, and then uh, yeah. later you abandon it. No, it's a constant thing. Like The fact that Emmons Field, it, it, like, that, that's a unique thing that I just think, like, oh, yeah, you're never going to go back there. <laughs> it's oh, gone. It's gone. Like, okay, we're done, and that's, a, and that's in the past. spoiler alert. Yeah, no. I, I'm, I'll spoil on that one. Like, no, yeah. Emmons Field comes back, and it's important. Okay. And you're explored the people and the location and all yeah. that more. So, yeah. So, yeah. May, I, maybe I can't make the comparison to Lord of the Rings because I just know it way more. But yeah. I, I'll make the comparison with Stormland Stand that where, just as you said, it's you, you know the Shattered Plains. <laughs> like, you got that down. You know your read through. You got that. But whereas with this, it was hard for me to go, all right, this place is important. This place is important because I'm sure they all are. So it's hard. Yeah, it's it, hard to grasp me in the plot and go like this. This is the thing. That's so, fine. It, it, the main thing is it's hard to really judge the. Like yeah, I can judge the first book more again negatively as a whole, but like as it, a whole series, it's, it's different. I get it's you. It's structured a certain way, and it's hard to judge. Like it's intended to be a certain way. It's hard Got to it. judge it when that's not how it was intended. Got it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be spread out through a whole long series. So you're not supposed to know in depth about everything quite yet. What did you think about? Do, you good with that plot point? Because yeah, I got let, another list. Let's go well, into. Well, what do you think about the land? Oh, okay. you want this to be a long video or not? Okay, doing this for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think about land and wisdom? There, how that relationship unfolded. Here, the more interesting thing with them is you don't see, like, you see little inklings of it. Yeah, you you see, you see a little twinkle in her eye a little bit in both of them, and then later it's more like you kind of go away and then you kind of come back and it kind of all hits you at once. I think you don't really see them falling in love. That's not what you really see, but you see the slow development of like why why they did. It's it's almost like you see the answer before the question. You mm. see that you like oh they have fallen in love and you go. Why is it? And then you see through their interactions Answer what they respect about each other. And like you go, oh, I see why Naimi fell in love with Lan. I have a question for you then. Mm -hmm. How do, like, let's say I was watching this channel. Yeah. How do I participate and get into like talking books with us? How does that happen? Oh my God. What a what an interesting did I, segue. Did I, did I do that well this I time? Think you, you always did that you, this well. you make fun of my segues a lot. I just wanted to try. That's pretty good. But if they wanted to actually talk to us about Nynaeve and Land's love life, they yeah. could actually join our Patreon down below. If you're watching this long and you want to talk to us more about Wheel of Time and a bunch of other books, you could support us and join our exclusive Discord where we have once a month. We have a exclusive book club where we read a book and talk about it with you guys. It's a ton of fun. We got two this weekend, actually. Red Rising yep. we're discussing and Annihilation. Yep. But okay, back to the, back to the question. Mm -hmm. So the answer before the question. Yeah. You get that. That's an interesting because I was I wanted to ask you that. Oh, I did ask you that. Yeah. Because I'm bold and I ask questions. <laughs> I wanted to ask you that because I was curious on the reread if it was more if the, you could see the hints. Yeah. Because on a first read, it hit me like okay, well, that it it sprung out of. I'm sure it wasn't out of nowhere. I'm sure there were hints I probably missed. There there are quite yeah, a few. I, I was positive. So as an emotional payoff, I was, so when that happened, I went one. Okay, I definitely missed something here. I'm definitely stupid. I definitely missed something. And two, that sucks because now I'm not that invested in the relationship right now. So it it definitely is one of the strongest relationships in the in the story. I will say the biggest negative for Robert Jordan's writing Ooh. is his romantic 
relationships. And it's a fantasy book. Yeah, <laughs> it's per- there's a couple that wait, are particularly wait, wait, wait. bad. There's no good romance. There's a couple. Okay, I'm pretty. Good. I'm lowering my rating to a two. <laughs> I come for good romance. That's I'm a romance guy. I like Lan and Nynaeve. I really am a romance guy. I, I like Lan and Nynaeve quite yeah. a bit. So oh, they're oh, oh, I'm good. sorry. I'm sorry. This is just too good of a transition. The whole romance thing. I my favorite part about the book mm-hmm. was how Rand always said that Perrin had you know he was always good with the ladies, and Perrin always said Rand. Oh, I wish I was good as as Rand with the ladies. Yeah. That was neat. I think that right there is a good example of what I liked about I like so much about the Wheel of Time, is you see how different people's perspectives are and how everyone's kind of wrong. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like that. No like one that. has the right perspective. And yeah. how vastly different one perspective can be, even on something like the dark one. Right. Like everyone can like you as the reader go are screaming, going like, You're all on the same side, you idiots. Right, Just right. work together. And yet for some reason they have such a twisted uh, version of reality where they're just all wrong and idiots. And you, mm-hmm. the reader, can kind of just sit back and look. Wow. And wow. that right there is a fun little example of that. Yeah. Okay. That continues throughout the series. Oh, yeah. yeah. In bigger, more important things. But it is... I'm so, I'm, I'm so curious with book two because me not liking book one, um, I don't know how much that will affect the character so I don't know it doesn't start over the story of course but the, the characters are intro immediately more interesting because okay. so especially oh, okay. don't don't give anything away yeah. I'm just giving you like your big problem with Rand is kind of being boring and bland mm-hmm. he's not boring and bland okay. he has there are real stakes there's real personal conflict to Got it. struggle with him all the oh, other something interesting too uh, with Rand Althor I mean it, it's Norse inspired there's a yeah. lot of that there I didn't know this but Beltine is apparently Norse inspired did you know that mm-hmm. okay yeah I didn't I, man you know everything about Beltine <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could get you with a, a quick no. fun fact no no I got that one but okay so Rand's not as bland in the second book definitely not okay and very good all of the characters kind of have a bit more except Matt except Matt okay Matt is still <laughs> frustrating in book two alright you want to get on to in dialogue and prose yeah what was your score for that a 6.5. Okay, I gave it a dead 5. Dead 5. I think the dialogue is well written and very fun and unique voices between all the characters. They they're just I just find them all very unique. That's that, a big part for fair. me. And they, I like they the had action. distinct voices for you. Yeah. And I like the action. Okay. It's different than how modern modern fantasy writes action and this is incredibly different. And I just kind of get into it. I like sure. all of the sword form dances and talking about it. And those are very fun for me. I don't know why. It just works. And then the how they describe the magic is very cool. Neat. So that and the writing descriptions of the world makes it so vivid that I can really see myself there. That's great. So, so it, also with the writing style, did you find yourself... Did you find yourself reading on the second time so on this reread that you had did you find a paragraph or a description that you went wow i didn't realize um so like times. one of those descriptions that you just went i didn't even realize he had that described or that that's whoa but there's so many like little tiny hints so i, I can't spoil it mm-hmm. but you do have to distrust the narrator when describing things that there's stuff that the way it's described, you kind of look at it, and it's a reference to something else. 
And Interesting. Ima- like, it's it's something you imagine something that you know of that's being described in a way that's someone like you are two mm. people are looking at something you know what it is and someone else doesn't know what it is and mm-hmm. they're describing it to you okay so there's there's plenty of those where you go how it i can only catch it on the second read through or if you're Got paying it. attention to the descriptions of the world and so yeah i i, I very much enjoyed all those Dialogue and prose is always the most curveball thing for stories mm-hmm. because I, I unabashedly give... Is that how you say it? Unabashedly or unabashedly? Unabashedly? Sure. So uh, I say this without, without stuttering that Sanderson's prose I think is like a 9, 9.5 out of 10. I love his prose. And plenty of people will say I'm stupid. And those plenty of people, it's you every time you say. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you give us prose like seven eights. You you like yeah, it? No, but it's good. I really think it's amazing prose, and because I never have to reread. So we'll get into another Sanderson. We say that with all our Sanderson stuff. But I love his prose because I don't think you have to be poetic. I don't think you have to have purple prose. Everyone's going for a different thing, and Sanderson's going for one thing, and he does it expertly, just like Terry Pratchett goes for his thing, does it expertly, just like Tolkien does. So when I'm looking at the prose of this, I'm not faulting it for not being poetic or enough or not being simple enough. Um, one of the big things for me was the, the tone. Uh, going back to, I put some of this in plot, but the tone of the dialogue, it just felt very, eh, 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 eh. just a constant beep and no, there was no cacophony in there. Hmm. There was no dissonance in there. There was no, uh, yeah. Yeah, am I, I getting you with these words? Am I getting a little? Uh... I get you. Okay. but that, So it was very much, it felt repetitive. And then I also, I noted sometimes in the, I wrote these down while I was reading it just because I went like, okay. And this was written in the nineties. So maybe I'm, maybe time affects how we look back on these phrases. But for mm-hmm. example, the the phrase, she let go of a breath. She didn't know she'd been. So he let go of a breath. He didn't know he'd been holding one of those things or he'll, he'll say something wanted to scream, but nothing came out. You know, those kind of yeah. classic sayings, which how do I judge that? Because I've heard it a thousand times. But in the 90s, was it heard a thousand times? I no. don't know. It's well, probably newer. That's that's part of the thing. With it's tough to judge. And that, People looking back on, even later books where this is, the first book is clearly more classic fantasy, homage to Tolkien, and then later becomes a great bridge between classic and modern fantasy. That okay. The Wheel of Time... Cr- sets the trend of what a lot of modern fantasy currently does and the tropes that modern fantasy gives wheel of time did it first and so yeah that's an interesting thing you're gonna I, I do want to come those across phrases things. though i want to see how long those phrases have been there they've because... probably been around a little i've i've just read that more in classic fantasy it's sure. an older phrase i just don't see it around that often nowadays oh yeah because it's been used so yeah. often and just, just with some of his things, I noticed there was, like, he would say a character's angry, then they'd show that anger, or there, there's little things that I noticed that I just went, okay, I had to think about it. I, I, it wasn't just, it wasn't a read that I just went through and was mm. enthralled with the, the dialogue was easy to go. It was, it was simple enough to, you know, just like Sanderson's prose, a simple 
way. But yeah. there was there was too many like land, for example, was described as being like an onion, peeled layers down. I'm like okay, that's an onion. I've heard that analogy, and I know this is ironic. I have terrible analogies on this pod. That's why <laughs> I try to come up with scenes like teetering my totter because I think that's a thing that's going to catch on, and you're it's gonna not. you're gonna look back to this Tudor Ramble podcast, on. be like, I remember when I was one of those cool kids who said teeter my totter when Austin said it back in episode 64, whenever I said it first. 65. Well, I think I said it last episode too. <laughs> I've been really trying to stamp this one, okay? I'm trying mm-hmm. to get it out there. So teeter my totter in the comments if you've been if you've been listening this long. Don't about do that? that to me. Do don't that. do it. No, do that. Please. Yes. Please yes. Don't, don't torture me. So I read the comments. Don't make me read that. <laughs> <laughs> so and not much else to say with dialogue bros. Just yeah. give us a I think it's I think it's better than average, mainly because of descriptions. I think the descriptions are very good and well done, and I see it. That's about it. I see it. I will later give it better scores. I'm being too books. civil, actually. I'm gonna hide that so you can't throw it back. <laughs> you can't hit me in the face with that. <laughs> well, okay, guess. Oh, I thought you were gonna throw it. You just turned an angry face. <laughs> There we go. Uh, for listeners who, who don't have the visuals, um, I threw a plushie at him, and he's now turned it into a frown. There we, we, go. we have a We have a new plushie. It's been <laughs> here. It's, uh, what are we going to call the plushie? You want a name for him? I mean, it does have a name. What's the name? I actually do forget. <laughs> it's from Mistborn. I'm oh, trying okay. to remember the actual name of the character, but someone in the comments will let me know. I forget. Okay. The dog from Mistborn. Or, hey, people in the comments, name this for us, and name it something different. How about that? Sure. Okay, that's fun. All right. The last <laughs> section here, world building slash magic system, would you rate that out of Eight 10? out of 10. Eight out of 10, so great. I gave it five and a half out of 10. The highest category. Ooh. This is where I guess you're going to disagree the most with me. Because I you, do. Yeah, so you definitely, giving it out of 10, it was great. Loved it. Yeah. So that high rating, does, so why does it deserve that? What do you love about? Mainly because everything pays off. The history is actually all well thought out. The, gotcha. the characters have a intimate connection to the world and all that is just masterfully done and now a lot of that is I'm seeing the seeds and I'm giving You've it credit ahead, for that yep. I, I have to give it credit for like I'm <clears throat> noticing things on the reread I'm going oh okay that's, that's actually I can see that. important I have to give it credit for that I, because in the first read through sure I can maybe dock, dock it lower Mainly, I could see that because I don't see where it's going. I think it's well described and a very interesting world. And I'm fascinated by like the world of dreams. I'm fascinated by the Perrin with the wolves and like the wolf brother stuff and like what's going on with that and Elias. The tinkers. Like, the tinkers, I think, are really well done. <laughs> I think they're a great, uh, great addition Searching to the world. Searching for that song. I love uh, Loyal and the, the, the Ogier. I think the great. All these different elements, I think they're so well done. I, I, oh, I love the idea of a gleam. So many different uh, stories have the bard character, and it's just a bard. That's all it is. And yet, no, in Wheel of Time, they have the patched cloaks. That's more like a rainbow of patches. They, they have a certain like they're not the same as a bard. They're specific. Gleeman are very specific. Yeah, they have a specific aesthetic. They have a different air around them. I just love that attention to detail on how the world is made, and it makes it so real to me. So I have to, I give it that eight very proudly. I think even in book one, it's done very well, very well. 
This is the one score that I could be most convinced to raise and probably mm-hmm. on a reread as well. Unfortunately for me, the it's it's hard to differentiate, but a lot of the times the world to me is tied with emotion. So the more I'm caring about a scene and something, the more I'll be vivid to me, the more I'll be mm. caring in the moment. So it definitely drags in with my other scores of going, okay, how much did I care about the world? Mm. You know, the world could be phenomenal. Like 10, if, if you just had, let's say the Lord of the Rings didn't exist. Fellowship, yeah. Two Towers, and Return of the King. All that exists was the Cimmerillion. That's it. If I read the Cimmerillion and then was reading the world, I, would, like, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Because obviously it's the most in-depth world ever, but I don't care about characters in that world because what characters are there to compel me to love the world? What plot is there to compel me? So if I was just... Well, you a, haven't read the Silmarillion. There are some really good stories and oh, characters I'm sure there are. behind. I'm sure there are. Okay, then how about the history of Lord of the Rings or something? Sure. You get what I'm saying. Where I get what It's a saying. book outside the story. So mm-hmm. the, the appendix of the Lord of the Rings, that's all it was. We're just telling... So something along those lines where the story also didn't... the appendixes in... In Return of the King. You would say the appendices. The appendices, yeah. You know what? I'm starting to not like you. <laughs> starting? Six, episode 65. Well, we've what... started off the video. I've, I've been not liking you this whole video. <laughs> so, but you get what I'm saying there with if it was just world building, it's hard to rate like how much I love the world. So it definitely is yeah. affected by emotional impact. But why I don't give it higher, I do give it a, it's, a, a, it's above a five. I'm, we're critical on here. You'll see, you'll see a lot of our ratings suck. I'm sorry, people. But with... Uh, with giving the five five, it goes back to that plot detail of I couldn't focus on what was uber important in the story. We were in a lot of places, and I was like, okay, this, this, or this. I was all over the place. So there's a lot of things. This is what I would say. Book one, the Eye of the World. So not talking about the series, but book one, Eye of the World, is very wide but not deep. Book one. Yes. I'm sure it gets deep later on, but just there's a lot of stuff, and there were yes, elements with a caveat. Okay. The main thing is. There is a lot of detail even on the surface level. Like I was talking with the Gleeman, but it goes further beyond that. The the idea of the the illuminators, which is briefly hinted on, and then just talked further about the there's so many little details added and sprinkled in, even though you're only touching on certain locations. I can that remember it too. Makes it very vividly. I, I even remember I think the Ogier was or Loyal was explaining he's the Ogier, right? Yes. So Loyal was explaining that he's ninety years old. And the last time they were there were generations ago during the Hundred Year War. Mm-hmm. And it was this is just from memory. Like, I, I remember it because it was very, I could remember the world building there. But when he did world build, it was info dumpy at times. It was, it wasn't, uh, it didn't feel smooth with the narrative. So a lot of things huh. came on top. I think he did a, a much better job when it came like the tinkers and stuff like that. When, but there were a lot of situations where it had to be told. And, it's I fine. guess I was just in this. That's it's, just the style, and I'm kind of into it. Sure, I I just don't notice it. Sure, and I'm sure, and my bias is coming out because I'm sure Lord of the Rings also does this. So Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings does it a lot. Yeah, a lot of but, info. But dumps. here's the exception. But you're down for it. exactly. That's the exception. Is I'm down for it because See, with loyal, I'm, I'm, like loyal is like telling a story. And yeah, split, like that's an info dump, but. Yeah. Lord of the Rings are just singing songs and telling you about and, the past three ages. Yeah. It, Gandalf literally starts yeah. going into the history. Like, it just starts telling you. But you know, the difference, info honestly, though, the difference for me is like, I'm just in love with Gandalf. I'm already hooked in the story. So mm. it's all like emotion drags into the world for me. It's mm. just, it's hard to separate that. And I imagine I'll love the world more down the line. But I do hope you keep an open mind going into the other books. 
the, I hope I hope there, there it sounds a, like I, I I think I'm coming in open mind. Does it sound yeah. like I'm No, I'm just worried that it's going to be because I've I've noticed like the difference between you and I on reading it is there's stuff that like now that you mention I guess I can maybe knock or like I clearly just stuff that we like I just don't pay attention to that you do. We're two different readers. And, yeah. So not not just that we're two different individuals. I've noticed throughout our reviews, I think you are a world first reader. Mm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you go into fantasy, you want the world. And then the characters in that are like a huge plus. Obviously you love your characters, but you're yeah. there for the world, the culture, the history, and you're interested in everything that goes on there and what leads from that. So you kind of look big to small. Yeah. I go into things and correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I always every story I've ever read. I always go small to big with characters are the most important thing ever. And mm-hmm. my emotions that, and then from those characters spring, then the world, the plot, the conflicts, the everything comes from that. Whereas you probably, could, yeah, you could read. Well, there's just also some details. That well, is that, is that right or wrong? Would you say? I guess so. Okay. I, I guess I agree. I'm not, we can, I'm not we really can both sure. love worlds and love characters. I guess it's a small difference that changes our, our opinions on books typically. I Be- guess so. Because if I walked into Wheel of Time, imagine this, mm-hmm. and I focused a lot less on characters. Like the main character, like you're even saying, Rand is, he's like, what is there to love here? You've read fantasy. There's so many better characters than Rand. Like, yeah. Uh, even in an okay book, better yeah. character than Rand. So if you go into a book and forget Rand for a second, you're just going in there, the world of Wheel of Time, the map, mm-hmm. the details. You're going in that perspective, you're going to love it a lot more because mm-hmm. you're focusing on that while I'm focusing on like, all right, so how's Rand going to interact with that world? That's yeah. just where my mind goes. So. Which is why I'm happy for like going forward, because yeah. Rand is the best written character in fantasy. Whoa. I can't... Hey. I, I'm just saying, hey. like, the end, by okay. the end, like, he is. Okay. He just, on an objective level, he's the best written character. Yeah. The, um, the, I can't the, wait to the see The greatest that. character journey I've ever read. You know what? You're going to get payback with me next week or two weeks from now. I don't know when it will upload it, but we haven't recorded yet. We're going to record a Red Rising review. Oh, yeah. You, and you better believe I'm going to start bringing in some negativity. Just some snippets. I'll let, a sneak peek here. Yeah. When we talk about Red Rising, mm-hmm. I don't even want to say anything else other than I am floored. I am floored, and I know you don't love it as much as me. We're going to talk Red Rising, and... I still like it a lot. I know you do, but not as much as me. Nobody likes it more than I do. Look, yeah. listen, nobody likes things more <laughs> than, than I, me. More than I me. am the biggest fan. <laughs> I like the book more. <laughs> I hate the Wheel of Time more than you do. Yeah. We, we are terrible impersonators. So, yeah. all right, this has been another... I was going to say another Wheel of Time episode, but it was our first. So, so first, let us first know ever. how wrong Austin was in the comments below. And if you're looking forward to book two, hopefully it'll come out in about a month. I, I oh. will say this a little snippet as well to prep for this pod. So I wrote down all my thoughts. I also looked up a bunch of reviews mm-hmm. and I looked up a bunch of comments and I was looking at the, I looked up bad reviews, good reviews. I went on Goodreads. I read the one stars, the five stars, everything to get an atmosphere for how this conversation usually goes. My actual thoughts are it's a one, it's trash. I just, (laughs) but I was looking at what the general consensus was. And I think you're in the spot of the consensus where the, if you're fans of the series, you read the 14 books, you look back on book one and it's like, it's great. It's, it started my favorite series. This is awesome. What, who, who doesn't like this stuff? And then all the DNFers that stopped after book one or book four talk negatively about this typically. So you being an hour and a half into this, most likely like the book. 
So definitely comment negatively on me and why I'm wrong. I do want to I do want to hear more positivity of the book in the comments to see what I missed and maybe some things because you were here's the thing. Oh, yeah. Fans of Wheel of Time mm-hmm. are probably its biggest critics and yet still are like fans of the Wheel of Time. It's unique. Yeah. Lord of the Rings fans will defend it. Like no, it's flawless. It's perfect. Right, was and, that an attack on me? Yes. <laughs> I'm one of those freaking weirdo nerds that the movies and books are literally 10 out of 10. If you say any flaw about either... I, I have quite a few, but I'm just saying. I've mentioned them several times, and I know you agree with Here's me, the thing. But you know I do, but no, it has zero flaws. I'm Versus that guy. Wheel of Time, I can totally... I can give the book a six, and I can talk about all these different flaws to the series, and yet I will still proudly say it's my favorite book series ever. And it, it just is... And I don't know yeah. how to explain that. Like I, when a lot of times people are, when someone criticizes your favorite thing, you get defensive and you're angry that they don't see it the way you do. Yeah. Wheel of Time fans are like, oh yeah, no, that's awful. It's an awful part of it. It's gotcha. still the best anyway. Well, <laughs> I don't hey, care. If I'm still negative after book four, you might be, or book 14, you'll be like, Austin, yeah, I don't no, know. It, like if you somehow say like book two is worse or about the same, I'll be like, mm, no. That that's where you're wrong. Like book two, <laughs> like, objectively. objectively, it's better, right? Well, no, I'm listening to all your criticisms and going like, yeah, that's fixed in book two. That's fixed in book two. Yeah, that's fixed in book two. Good, I'm just good. going through all these things and going, yeah, like good, definitely. Then, even then, even t- like your small thing of like, oh, we're not going deep enough into some of these locations. Then it does, yeah, yeah. No, it does a much better balance of like doing more exploration, but then also a significant part is just diving deep into another place. Great. So. The, what's one phrase or thing you'd want to leave it off with of your Wheel of Time, book one, Eye of the World Thoughts? The seeds have been planted, and we will watch them grow. Neat. Okay. Oh, I didn't even say this. This is the last thing I wanted to say. I'm trying to sign off. I know, man. but listen, just, just, just give it a second. Give it some time. Yeah. I wanted to say, I don't, can't believe I didn't mention this, but the wheel weaves as the wheel. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. And you know what's hilarious about that saying? Every time I heard it, it's like, yeah. it's like your uncle just saying, it is what it is. It really it, it is the wheel of time equivalent. Of Wait, it is, is that what, what people is. say in the fandom? Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it, I, that's I effectively what it is. Like, I did, I didn't read that in the fandom yet. I haven't. Well, because it, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, it's 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 an effectively all all that basically says is like, you know, fate is what it, it is. is right. Like, oh, I can't believe you didn't mention this. I do like how the the wheel. So you can change small things, but the overarching thing you can't. Oh, the I like how, how the wheel works. Time itself sure. works. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't get into it. I'm curious it. to it, see what that goes, it goes forward. Much it, yeah. it, just, Robert like said, Jordan the is planted, a genius so. to actually build in plot, like plot armor into its magic and world building. Because <laughs> that's effectively what it is. Yeah. Like, gotcha. fate is literally forcing things to, like, the world and time itself is literally forcing things to align and going like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no main character, come back here, you're doing this thing whether you like it or not. Man, okay, <laughs> do you want to sign us off? All right, yeah, let's go off. Bye, y'all. One more thing, everybody. You I really bastard. wanted to say this. <laughs> yes. Bye, everybody. <laughs>Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.